Welcome back to the Beers and Pigskins College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob, with my co-host, Mason. And we have done it. We have reached the end, pretty much, of the college football season. I don't know. For me, it ends when conference games end, except for now we have the, the playoff. But, I mean, bowl games are just always... Yeah, they've been extra. Yeah, the regular season's over. We're in bowl game season now. So, I mean... It's done. I mean, I don't really consider like the Scooters Frisco Bowl as a part of the college football season. Hey, I mean, that that might just be me. Don't be don't be dogging on the good old Scooters Bowl there. They they bring prime time quality entertainment as far as college football matchups. There are are you going to be tuning into the RoofClaim dot com Boca Raton Bowl? Um, uh, who's playing it? Uh, maybe Syracuse and the South Florida Bulls. Syracuse and the South Florida Bulls. So USF and Syracuse. I mean, Syracuse got some some boys. They got Schrader at quarterback. They got a uh, I don't Allen. I think I don't LaQuint Allen. I think is his name. at running back. Um, they got some players. I don't know if they'll be playing in the bowl, but I, I think that's the the sad reality nowadays is more often than not if your team's not in the playoff the team that you're fielding to the bowl game is not the team that played during the regular season because you're not really playing for i mean you're playing for pride at that point but again what does it what does it matter yeah and now there's there's even like names that i don't even recognize i guess i guess it would be the sponsors but the easy post hawaii bowl the srs distribution las vegas bowl the 68 ventures bowl like these are just the avocados bowl yeah i think that's been that's a new one maybe been around a couple years but i i do see the famous idaho potato bowl that's still around glad to know that and glad to know that that's you know still a what's the word i'm looking for still a i don't know i will say i was looking after the bowls were announced i no idea how north texas finished but a lot of the time when they do make a bowl game it is local and i was going to see if it was going to be like in frisco or in fort worth and seeing what the date was and like, ah, that might be just like a fun afternoon or evening out. If it's on a random Tuesday at 4 PM, because that's when the games that don't matter are played. Go see your, go see the mean green, play some football. Hey, they, they put up some points. They saw, I saw some of the highest overall game totals from the mean green this year. They had games that were like 81 over unders because of how terrible those teams are. But, no, no, no. You just got to – they had a deadly offense this year. They did, and uh, LSU like defense. But, <laughs> um, you know, you got commonalities between your two teams. But anyways, uh, like I said, we did end pretty much the college football season. With that, we just – we had the conference games, which we'll go into a little bit, but with what everybody's talking about – the final college football, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, rankings did come out, and they've probably been the most controversial they've ever been. I, I think I can pretty comfortably say that. Um, I I think Florida State or even the state of Florida is maybe getting ready to sue uh, the college football playoff committee. I did see something about that. Probably not going to happen. But it would just be funny to see college football playoff committee be the state of Florida. But anyways, um, initial reactions. We talked about this last week. I came on the podcast and said, there's absolutely no reason that Florida State should be left out. And I'm losing faith in the committee. And now we get to hear and they're not in the bowl game. Uh, sorry, they're not in the college football playoff. Reactions, gripes, rants, anything you would like to throw out? Um, 
So it, it's been what a couple a couple sleeps since couple sleeps. The, the unveiling took place. Um, and I'll pose a question to you in a second, but I haven't been able to fall like align a hundred percent either way with the decision. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like I genuinely understand both sides of it. The, the reasoning behind why they did it, the griping behind why they did it at the same time. Um, uh, and I, I don't want to make a, I don't want, again, I don't want to put my stick in the ground and say that I think it's the right choice one way or the wrong choice one way. Um, I'll say this. I do think the f- current four best teams are in it. I'll leave it at that, whether it's the right thing or not the right thing. That's another conversation, I think. Um, and I'll pose this to you because I know you feel strongly about it. Mm-hmm. Do you think, say you were me, where you don't have any ties to Michigan, mm-hmm. you would feel as strongly about it as you do? I do, yes, because I was talking to my dad, who's going to listen to this, and he was just saying, could you imagine if you were a Michigan fan and that's how they got that's how they got bumped out? I'm not a Florida State fan, but just insert Michigan into the same exact situation. Okay. I I would lose my mind. Sure. I would absolutely lose it, and I think Florida State has every reason to do so. And I also think that because you said the four best teams are absolutely in it, you could make the point, you can make the argument that they don't even have the four best teams. Mm-hmm. It's just the four best with resume into consideration. Mm-hmm. All the the top four looks extremely different. Not extremely. It looks different if you say, oh, I just want the best teams just based off of eye test. Mm-hmm. The four best teams based off of eye test and resume and the four top teams based off of resume. Those are all four different lists. And I think that, just like I said last week, the committee just keeps going back and forth on what they consider and look at as the best because they will allow teams to jump other teams based on a ranked win but do they think they actually look the best you know it's kind of up in the air do they actually think that team looks better than that team or is it just because they got a ranked win Mm -hmm. um you can make the argument that the actual four best teams are michigan Washington, Ohio State, Georgia, or take Washington out for Alabama. And it's like, if you just want the four best teams and, you know, you can play the games just to see how the teams look, then we get to the end of the year and then you just announce the four best teams. I It just, it just drives me crazy that the best is so subjective mm-hmm. to to what they vote on. And I think I think you're almost doing it a disservice because the whole the whole idea of Florida State not being four and then being five um, behind Alabama was just because they said they don't have Jordan Travis and mm-hmm. they're not the same team. And we just don't think they're a good enough team to win those games. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, with that logic, why are they in front of Georgia? Why are they in front of Oregon? Why why don't we apply the rest of that argument? Is, is that the same for the like the last six through twenty five? Is that the same thing? It's like if we're just looking for the best, I think not to interrupt you. I think no, that's fine for.
the last ranking sake mm-hmm. i think five through 25 in the committee's eyes doesn't really matter in turn because i would say they probably all would say that georgia is better than florida state right now just if they were to go head to head um because when it comes to like bowl alliances and like conferences at that point it's already kind of set in stone um so i don't think per se that that really matters in their eyes that's kind of how i would view it um but i get what you're you're saying at that i just I, think uh, i just threw it out the window as like we're gonna put them at five because we just had to bump them out we're not gonna drop them to seven per se because that would make no sense in their mind because it wouldn't change anything because they're still not going to be able to go to the playoff yeah and i i just i don't know where the line is drawn and i just want to see more consistency there because like i watched the texas oklahoma state game mm-hmm. and towards the end um xavier worthy mm-hmm. uh went out with a like an ankle or a leg injury or sure i'm not totally sure what his status is and i'm sure whatever's going on i'm sure he'll be better um in time for the his semifinal game against washington um but also i don't know where the line is drawn where hey you have players hurt that's gonna knock you down a couple pegs is so we we see that jordan travis is out and quarterback is the most important position in football i get it um but like if xavier worthy were to go down would that would that bump texas down to below alabama even though they already beat them like i just i don't know i don't know where that line is i can paint it a little bit for you granted i'm not on the committee but i think i think that line was a little clear because they did get at least two full games without jordan travis and saw what that team was able to do with him and there was drastically a different output on the offensive side of the ball. Like basically every single statistic for offense, for yards, points, everything was cut in half. They pulled up the two games versus over the course of the season. And it was like they went from 400 total yards a game to like 201 total yards a game. Mm-hmm. Um, getting injured in a conference championship say Jordan Travis went out in the conference championship. I don't know. I'd be, I I think they would have kept Florida state in at that point. I think the fact that he was out three weeks earlier really is what played the part in this seeing what the team was, even though they did beat a great Louisville team with defense. Um, I'd say great Louisville team, but I mean, they were ranked 13 or whatever, 14. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's kind of the thing um, when you can see the actual metrics of it. Um, I think you say, yeah, you know, Xavier Worthy was out for three, four weeks and Quinn Ewers, his statistics were drastically changed, like the whole overall af- offensive output. Okay, this team is definitely changed from this player impact. Um, so I think the timing is just kind of what played a big part in this overall. Yeah, and I something that you brought up, and this will be my last point in, I'll call it white knighting for Florida State, um, is that it almost seemed to me that like defense is nowhere near as highly as valued mm-hmm. as offense is. Yeah. That Florida State team, that defense, has played great since Jordan Travis has left. Yeah. And they played outstanding against Louisville. A team that scored 31 against Kentucky. And it, it and it's like we, there's a whole side of the ball that is ready to go and is completely and fully ready but they don't get a chance. Yeah. Because and and I I do understand I mean, Rodemaker was going to be healthy by the time that the semifinal game came around, and I do think that he's at least a little bit better than Brock Len. Um, I don't know. I, I I understand. I don't get me wrong. I completely understand why Bama is in 
over Florida State, and I and I'm not going to sit here and say that Florida State is still a better team than Alabama. I'm not going to say that. I just think it's such a disservice and a quote unquote kick in the nads to Florida State, who has gone 13 and 0 and won a Power Five conference championship. Yeah. No, 100%. It's And just saying, oh, that doesn't matter. You don't have your quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're – especially you just feel – you feel bad for the kids is, is the way I look at it because most of these kids, especially the seniors, this is it for them. Yep. Very few are going to be playing at the next level. I mean, it's just that's the reality of it. And so to see your kind of your hard work feel like it's just been thrown down the toilet is kind of a, a swift kick in the nads, as you said. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's more heartbreaking than anything. Um, I also, it's hard to, like I said, it's it's hard to align one way or the other. I understand the decision. Um, to put Alabama in, I hate that for Florida State. You did everything you thought you had to do. Um, some unfortunate circumstances arise. Sure, Bama's the better team per se in this instance, or so the committee thinks so. Um, and there's kind of just there's so many things leering over it in a weird way. Um, you know, clearly with the Big Ten growing so much next year, and then the inevitable okay, Pac-12 dissolved, right? that kind of is almost foreshadowing potentially the ACC to dissolve eventually. And so what does that mean? The SEC now absorbs those. We end up with what, two mega power conferences and it's just kind of two battles of the beast here. Um, It'll be the big 10 and the SEC. And yeah. we'll, we'll just, it won't be that anymore. It'll just be the North and South and they'll have their own division. Civil war. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Civil War. Okay, we were going two different directions there. Yeah. But yeah. You know, they got rid of one Civil War bowl game or game between Oregon and Oregon State. We can bring back the new one <laughs> with just two massive conferences. Yeah, we'll just build two all-star teams in between the two yeah. leagues, and that'll that'll be the conference championship. That'll be the national championship. Every that year. would be pretty sweet. Kind That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, maybe we're on to something. Um I mean, last year you you throw together pieces of like Michigan, Iowa, and Penn State's defense with, let's be real, mostly Ohio State's offense. I'm talking about last year. Yeah. And then you throw together just like pieces of the SEC, and maybe you even have Caleb Williams. What well, you see that USC's in the South, so that kind of takes away the argument. But, anyways. But that would be really cool, an all-star game in, yeah. in college football. That'd be really cool. It would, I and mean, I think that would be. I'd rather see that than the scooters, coffee bowl. You know, yeah. Like I, I think if you, they do have the senior bowl, but again, that's the senior bowl, and most players that go to the draft end up not being a senior. They're usually juniors leaving early, and so I think if you had some type of bowl. Almost like an all-pro bowl. That sounded weird because there's a thing as a pro, but an all-pro bowl or all-American bowl, uh, like those kids that all you know were first team or whatever, <laughs> and you're making just two stacked squads. You got, like you said, you got Caleb Williams throwing deep balls to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like that would be fun to watch. And the um, Bears can see their future. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Interesting idea, but yeah, I I don't know. I just feel for Florida State. I, I mean, yes, partially. Let's throw this out there. I would rather have played Florida State than Alabama. There is that aspect, but that has nothing to do with, with what I said earlier. It, it's still just, it's, I, I don't think it's the right decision. I don't think it's completely, completely the wrong decision. Like I said, I understand. I do. Yeah. I also yeah. saw a tweet that said the projections for Alabama being in it versus Florida State was like a difference in like $150 million in revenue or something like that. So there's that aspect to it. It is a business. 
Um, I, I think that's a big thing that people don't really think about sometimes is business decisions are going to have to be made. It's the same thing. Like there was a story or former NBA players that came out years ago, like, or it was actually recently in a podcast I heard talking about, you know, it was like the conference finals, you know, before getting to the NBA finals and one team in particular was not a known team. Um, I think they might've been playing golden state at the time or, this might have been in the Eastern Conference, so it might have been somebody playing the the Cavs when LeBron was still with the Cavs or whatever. Long story short, the team that they were playing, they went to Game 7, and the team they were playing is not you know, carrying as enough weight, per se, as the other team when it comes to celebrity status and potential revenue-making. And they were like, if you're going to win this game by 5 points, you really got to win it by 25 points because... The refs and things are going to be pull and call certain ways to whatever they can to make sure that this team is the one that goes on yeah. to play in the finals because it's going to bring in way more money. Might have been, might have been that Warriors Rockets Western Conference final a long time ago. Might have been that. Maybe. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, there is a an unspoken like there's the business aspect of everything that. Uh, you know, entertainment wise that we watch and support. And it's like, we might not like some things, but that's the way it's going to be done. And there's really not a way around that unless you're one of the very large financially, you know, wealthy people that can step in and make a difference and change things or set certain guidelines for the committee and whatnot. But again, we're going to 12 teams next year. So what does it matter? Right. Yeah. Look, I really hope that wasn't the consideration I you can see I, I can see it being a part of it and I can see a very realistic world where it is, but I just hope it wasn't. Yeah. Um but with that being said, uh we wouldn't have to do all of this if Auburn had just done their job a couple weeks ago. I was still thinking about that once Alabama won. I I just I haven't gotten over fourth and thirty-one goal to go. And you let up a touchdown. But I digress. I guess we'll go into just a couple of them really quick. Um, I'll just have my reactions. I don't know what happened to Georgia. I don't did you watch the full game? Um that was the th- three PM game. Yes. Where was I on Saturday? I don't know if I watched any of it. <laughs> okay. I, I was um, playing. I was playing in a scramble golf tournament. That's oh, right, 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 right. Um, well, I'll just put it this way: George, uh, Alabama goes quick three and out. And I'm like, all right. Georgia gets the ball and just walks, uninhibited, no pressure whatsoever. Walks right down the field towards a touchdown. It's seven to zero, five minutes into the game, and I was like, "Oh, this this is really going to get ugly fast." Yeah, and then Georgia just didn't look like that team for the rest of the game, and I I'm not quite sure uh, what that was. I I just I don't think we saw the best of Georgia, which is odd, you know, going off the past, you know couple of years you normally in in games like that you see the best of the best for georgia um and i i don't know and just it was just one of those things where alabama just sneaked out on top they just you know they were just able to inch themselves further i thought milro looked decent he made a couple throws. Um, there were there was that one catch, I think, by Isaiah Bond, kind of towards the end of the game, where it was fourth down. He caught it, but when you actually look at it, the ball definitely hit the ground and it moved. Mm-hmm. But they they didn't look at it whatsoever. They just called it a catch and kept it moving. Um, but I. 
I don't know. They it, it just I it was so unlike Georgia. I think this was the least strong of the three the past three years that we've seen for Georgia and and how they've played. You know, they've shown some signs and some halves of weakness. Um and yeah, it just it just didn't look like they were up to snuff. And I and I mean you there's no way that you can just win every single game from from here on to the end of time. You're gonna lose games. Um but yeah, it was just I've seen a couple Georgia games and it and it just wasn't what I'm used to seeing. It wasn't the put up fifty two on Ole Miss that we saw earlier in the year. Yeah, no, I I didn't think it was going to be. It just it, the level of execution. Sorry, not to cut you off there. No, no, no. It just it just wasn't there. Yeah, I, that's kind of the. I think the one thing we kind of foreshadowed a little bit last week was, you know, when it comes down to coaching, Nick Saban is the guy in these kind of scenarios. Yeah. And like to be able to win these games, you have to be able to match that, or you have to be able to exceed his level of coaching and prepare a game plan that's going to be executed properly. Um, and it, from my understanding, I saw a couple drive highlights and a few good plays from the defensive side for Alabama. I don't know what that looked like over the course of the entire game, but it seems like, you know, they had all the momentum coming in as the dog into that game. Um, you know, they were able to play, I would say more freely, um, when it comes to, you know, the stakes, because what did they have to lose? Right. They, they're so far on the outside of this thing coming into it that no one really thought, they had a chance, and I think they were able to execute what they wanted to do. I think Nick knows his his disciples. He knows Kirby's game plan and kind of just beat him to it, and they weren't able to adjust and get anything really rolling. Um, and the kind of latter half of that game looks like they had a lot of punts. Um, but, yeah, you know, Nick does what Nick does and took care of business and is in the college football playoff for the, I think, uh, upteenth time. So it's been around for since what the 2013 2014 season. Um, so that 24. Well, there's been 40 teams, 40 teams in the playoff this. So this year, so this will be the 10th year. Uh, because there was an article, it was like ranking all 40 playoff teams, but yeah. some of them were paired up. So it was probably 44. So it's probably 11 years. He had eight or nine teams. I, I think it was eight. I do remember seeing eight. So and maybe it had been eight before and this is nine. I don't know. Nonetheless, um, eight out of like 11. That's ridiculous. He'd been there. He'd uh, done that. Been there, done that. Yeah. Just, you know, same old thing for Nick he, he will go down as the greatest college football coach of all time. There's no, he's, he's surpassed the Bear Bryants. He's, he's surpassed pretty much everybody. There's nothing he hasn't done at this point. So you got to have your P's and Q's ready to Wait. go when you're. Hold on. With Dave Aranda coaching, Nick Saban is the best college football coach of all time. I think you're you're. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of Dave as anybody around from his LSU days. I mean, there's a coach out in Waco doing I, great things. I, I'm shocked the coach out in Waco got a job for another year after what was put on the field this year. You know what? Me too. But that that's a whole nother story. We're not gonna get into that. <laughs> um yeah, no, no, I I totally agree. Um, Nick Saban's the guy. But yeah. Um what about uh, what do you think of the Washington Orc game? I did watch that one since it was Friday night. That I you know, I was kinda in your position. I wasn't able okay. to watch really much of it at all i was only able to pay attention to the espn app for like the last five minutes of the game but i did get all your texts you know yeah oh my god this is everybody so, put their money on oregon and then all of a sudden washington's up 20 to 3 i think going into the game i kind of talked about it last week um that Kind of some weird voodoo mojo was going to happen to where this thing's going to shift back in Washington's favor because everyone was high on the Oregon train. But I think before kick, the line was moved all the way to like nine and a half in Oregon's favor, which is kind of absurd to think about uh, when you look at the grand scheme of those two teams in the whole season and kind of where they've been. Um, 
you know, Washington comes out, kind of does their thing, takes care of business. They weren't great. Like, oh my gosh, this team is just moving down the field methodically and they're just slinging it all over the place. Secondary receivers, like outside of Adunze, were not great. And that's kind of where they've struggled over the last few games is getting those other guys going. McMillan's back. Mm -hmm. Like, where is he at? Polk is kind of in and out. Um, and where they get get Dylan Johnson kind of going. Um, started off good. I think it was like 20 to three to start off the game. And they're like, all right, this is going in Washington's favor. They got control. The defense was shutting down the Oregon offense. And I was so happy to see that because it finally, hopefully got rid of the Bo Nick should be the Heisman conversation for my boy, Jaden Daniels. Um, Cause what were they doing? Check down Charlie Jacob. They were just throwing screens left and right. And you know what? Washington listened. They listened to me. They listened to the podcast and they got up in their face and they were shutting it down. They had back to back. I think the first two or three drives were three and outs. Um, just taking care of business. And then Washington got complacent and then they just sat there. Oregon made a few adjustments, started moving the ball down the field. And next thing you know, Oregon's on top. It's like 27, 24 at this point or something like that. Um, then Oregon, Oregon was getting in those same kind of what felt like it was going to be the difference maker was they had another fourth and goal. Um, and they're like, okay, this is flashback to right before halftime in the first game. And they didn't convert. Well, they converted this time. Oregon got the touchdown to the tight end. He had, I think, two touchdowns on the day. He had a nice one-hander in the corner of the end zone. Um, you get the touchdown. You're like, all right, they, they made the adjustments. They learned from their mistakes in the past. Oregon's going to kind of come back from this and come out on top. Well, then they fell flat and they couldn't get it done. Um, Washington prevailed, prevailed until the very end there. Um, it was kind of a back and forth, a little bit of stalling um, toward the end. But I, I don't know. They both, Penix and Knicks, are both finalists for the Heisman, which I think is is worthy for the seasons that they've had and kind of the records and path that they've taken their teams. Um, I know you picked Penix, which is, is great for you. I don't think his, his chances are too hot. He's definitely not the favorite. Um, but nonetheless has been a very entertaining pac 12 season. Um, it's nice to see so many teams have quality star players across the board. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Washington-Texas matchup. I think it's going to be a solid, really good defense against a really good offense. Um, I think it's going to be matched up well. I think the kind of the difference maker will be either the the Texas offense or the the Washington defense, which one's able to kind of insert their will a little bit more. Um, but yeah, man, it was a great game. It was a great rematch. Yeah. It, it yeah. lived up to the hype, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, at, at the very least, I was just impressed that they're able to be that caliber of team two times in a year. Yeah. Because like it, it's hard to beat a good team. It's really hard to beat a good team twice in a year, especially when they're even more motivated. They're, everything relies on that game. And you just you shot them out. They didn't shut them out, but just you know extinguish that fire again so good on them just so high on kaylin DeBoer as a head coach yeah. i think he's just been absolutely incredible since he got to fresno state his win-loss record is insane it's something like 103 wins to 11 losses or something like that it's absolutely 102 incredible to 102 to 11 that's like crazy. that's nuts um but good on him he's he's built a uh, fantastic program and has got him going and uh now they're playing in the college football playoff and they're back there for the second time um just real quick i'm going <laughs> to i have i have one point that i saw you know both sides of and that is defenses i i i watched the texas oklahoma state game and I will have you know, after our conversation last week, I did watch the entire Michigan-Iowa game. Is it Michigan-Ohio State? No. But it's still a Big Ten championship. You, you felt a little more confident going into it. Yeah, and I, I would... 
took off maybe nothing in- against Iowa, but I I would I I would be ridiculous to be you know on the same level. Um, but anyways, watched you know, sat down, watched Texas in Oklahoma State, and don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna talk about Texas, but you know this is gonna be quick anyways. This is not nothing against them. They absolutely executed and played a fantastic game. Didn't think it was going to be that close with how Oklahoma State has been playing recently, but they still went out there, took care of business. Oklahoma State's defense is bad. It's awful. I texted you, and I didn't even realize when I was hyping them up in the middle of the season, and then they lost 45-3 to to UCF. Yeah. Their defense, statistically, total defense, is worse than LSU, and you know how bad how bad and how much you've been talking about LSU's defense. I've been talking about how bad Baylor's defense is. They're even worse than Baylor's defense. They're like 113th in the country in total defense. Quinn Ewers was throwing to open receivers by 5 or 10 yards all game long. It was the most carefree and easiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. They... Oklahoma State's secondary just burnt, burnt toast. There wasn't good. And then fast forward, I watched the Michigan-Iowa game. And even though the score was 26-0, to Michigan, with how their offense played, should not have scored 26 points. I was absolutely amazed by Iowa's defense. And yes, I they've been good i knew they were good and they've been good for years that's always been their thing is their defense is incredible but the ability to go out there game after game when you know your offense sucks and you're gonna have to hold the team the opposing team to like at most 10 points to win that is incredible i mean they just their defense is I would almost argue is a little bit better at what Michigan tries to do, which is they just want you to execute all the way down the field, and they're really not going to give up these big chunk plays. They're going to make you execute 8 to 12 play drives, and they're going to make you play just top-notch offense. Mm -hmm. And Michigan really didn't do that. I, it's partially due to, and Michigan is one of the few teams I've seen continually do this, they don't game plan to what they can do. They game plan to what other teams can't do. And they did this against Penn State, and they did it against Iowa. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to try to be explosive. We're going to throw all these quick balls. I mean, J.J. McCarthy was very efficient, but the ball was out of his hands in under a second and a half yeah. throwing all these tiny little short routes just not to turn the ball over and just keep it keep it going hey we trust our defense to turn the ball over and and they went out and they did that they caused a lot of turnovers um and yeah michigan's offense just didn't look great and i was just very very impressed by iowa's defense just i haven't watched too many games i think i've only watched like counting that one two or three Iowa games their defense really just is all it's talked about all the hype is it is real Phil Parker has crafted a beautiful defense and they do a wonderful job even with uh Cooper DeGene out and uh not playing in that game they still played top-notch defense so I got to give them props for that um, that was just kind of my rant dude i i was trying to describe it to you over text but oklahoma state well wow. you you sparked the, the they, they are missing jim Knowles. yeah i'll tell you, you that you sparked a, a a bug in me here to look at some numbers and kind of mentioned it earlier and it's hilarious um so i i'm looking at total difference for college and funny enough, so they were, let's see, Oklahoma State, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
11th. 11th to last in terms of total defense um, in the entire country. Um, you know who is dead last? Who? North Texas. <laughs> Makes sense. And they have the seventh overall offense. Seventh offense and worst defense. That pairs up for some shootouts and some terrible games, like I mentioned. They allowed over 255 rushing yards a game. That is an absurd stat. They are the anti-Iowa. Good for like, them. That is more than 20 yards more than the next closest team. <laughs> I crazy. mean, that's that's... I mean that is that is crazy when you're saying the over over unders were 80 points. I yeah, I'm now understanding. That's I did not know they were dead last. That's pretty impressive. That that's wild, man. I didn't realize. Like I haven't uh, when I know they're having a good year and like they're in bowl contention or they're in you know their conference contention. I'll like keep up with them just because you know that's my school. That's where I graduated from. Um, but. I haven't. They're not bowl eligible this year unless they got picked to fill a five-seven slot. Um, and man, like that is that's rough, man. Like, what in the world they allowed? I, I'd be curious it's, to look at those box scores, but break my heart, I'm sure. Um, nonetheless, move on from that terrible, terrible team. And yeah, I mean, I guess the last one is Florida State. I don't think we really have to yeah, go into them all that much. We've already spent a good amount of time on Florida State. We have. What we can do is kind of recap. So we, obviously we finished Michigan 1, which I think exceeded all of our expectations in terms of what we thought preseason. But Michigan number 1. Washington number two. Wow, my oh. mind just went completely blank. <laughs> oh, see, I I thought it went dead silent because I thought I wasn't picking no. up the vibe, and you were just wanting to go back and forth. Nope, um, I just but okay, okay. Hard. Washington okay. two, Texas three, and Bama at four. Um, so our preseason predictions. You have two of the four teams in. You had Georgia. Uh, one Michigan at two, Clemson at three, and Washington at four. So pat on the back to you getting Washington correct. You've kind of hit the nail on the head there preseason and stuck with the Pinnock story the whole way. Um, I only got one team right. Uh, USC was garbage on defense, so that cost that team terribly. And Caleb Williams likes to cry to his mom in the stands. Um, and then I had Georgia as well, who just like we've already talked about, drop the bag there. Um, and then also going with my Tigers at one who fumbled the bag to Florida State week one. And that that obviously was shot out the gate. But um, I don't, I see the chart at the bottom. Was that a midseason prediction? Yeah, that was what we thought was going to be the first college okay, football playoff mind. rankings. Okay, yeah. never mind then. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we got Michigan right, which is good. Good for you, obviously. In Washington, you hit nail on the head. Um, Heisman finalists. I did. I'm pretty sure I said Jaden Daniels. I don't remember if I said it was going to be between him and Caleb Williams, really. But, I mean, I, he is probably going to win the Heisman, and he was one of my three finalists that I picked. Um, so I feel good about that. At least I got something somewhat right. Um, and then you obviously got Pinnix, who's in there. He's one of the four final finalists. And Marvin Harrison is one of the four final finalists. Um, final finalists. That that sounds redundant. One of the four finalists. Oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> which I, I know you kind of talked about it. Like he's more valuable to his team. But I don't know. Not huge on that pick personally. I don't know if I would have thrown him in there, but they did it anyway. Um, I'm kind of going to be frustrated, to be honest, if he ends up winning the Blitnikoff um, over neighbors. I, I, I don't think it's deserving. If you look at the stats in terms of like separation and 
yards per catch. Like he has a ton of touchdowns because they just throwing him those dinky little fade routes and he catches them. But he's also, and again, not denying talent. He's clearly the number one talent when it comes to receiving going into the next class. But I think in terms of what the person was able to do, yes, you have Jade Daniels, but neighbors did so much after the catch, like led the nation. I'm pretty sure in yards after catch because of what he was able to do in the open field. And he led everything. I mean, he led in yards, led in hide it for touchdowns. Like, yeah. So I, I would pick neighbors to win the Blitnikoff. I, I don't, because I mean, I feel like that's more based off of stats. I, I feel like the Heisman, a your team has to be good enough. They just do, and I, I do think you know, LSU with nine wins that it is enough. Um. But I, you know, I also think it's, it's not, I don't think it's unheard of, but I think part of the reason that Malik neighbors might also not be there is because Jane Daniels is there. And I mean, it's, it's like, oh yeah, you were a great wide receiver, but you also had other Heisman finalists throwing the ball to you. Um, And I mean, what we've seen with, Ohio State and Kyle McCord, which, quick side note, the transfer portal is getting out of hand, (laughs) and Ohio State has completely and utterly overreacted to Kyle McCord not being a generational talent. It is impossible to expect every single quarterback that comes through Ohio State to be an absolute... Game-breaking generational quarterback. Do you think they told him to kick rocks? I think there was some aspect to that, yeah. Um, I think that played a part in it. Um, Trying to have... I I don't know exactly what, you know, completely came out there. Um, But it was... I just remember seeing, you know, oh, we got off to a slow start. But in the middle of the season, he really started to pick up, pick it up, and started to look better. And then it was, oh, Kyle McCord is good enough to lead him past Michigan. And as soon as they lost, as soon as they lost, it switched back to Kyle McCord is the worst quarterback on the planet Earth. And it, I mean, I don't know much about him. Never met the guy in my life, but I just like I don't know all of that. I think he just took over from CJ Stroud, who took over from Justin Fields, who took over from Dwayne Haskins, who had a really good season, a you know, record breaking season, I think. And they had they had those quarterbacks for like five years, we'll say. And then he took over that situation and he was good. You look at all of his stats, and he was a very good, definitely above average quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he's the worst person because they went 11 and one and lost to who is now the number one team in the country by six points on the road. And it's like, they're, I just feel like that was so quick to immediately get him out. And I know they have other guys coming in. I understand that. Um, I don't know. I think Kyle McCord has been done a little bit dirty just as a person looking outside of that program looking in and just looking at that situation. Um, But anyways, that's a sidebar. Uh, What were we talking about? We were talking about Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So anyways, with all that being said about Kyle McCord, Jaden McDaniels, (laughs) it's a player on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, Jaden Daniels, phenomenal year. Great year. Um, and I, I think whether you agree with it or not, or whether you think it's you know right or not or good, um, I think it just hurts Malik Neighbors' case just a little bit. It's like, oh yeah, you played great, but you had this quarterback, and and I think that's that's really what it comes down to. Um, but with I that think- being said, I do think he's going to win the Blitnikoff. So so there yeah. is that. I mean, yeah, I think. There's that case, and there's also, I think, like the flip side argument. If you're one of those people in the room fighting for him in that vote, like 
yes, you could say that Jaden Daniels made neighbors better, but is it potentially more so the case that neighbors made Daniels that much better? Yes, Daniels has the running ability and all that stuff, but like was neighbors that good? Because not only has he led the nation and everything this year, but now like you've seen it a longevity over his tenure at LSU now is like he's gonna be the all time leading receiver for the university with the people that they put in the league, you kind of look at that in hindsight, like, okay, this dude's the real deal. Like he is actually a solid receiver. He needs like 20 yards, I think, um, to be the all-time LSU receiver leader. Um, so granted, I think, you know, he probably maybe played all four years, but um, I don't know. It'll be a deserving, you know, for this team to look at anything. I think if Daniels and neighbors can pull out the awards there, that would be a, a little cherry for me. I don't get the Sunday this year, but I'll take the cherry. Um, I'll let you hopefully indulge in the Sunday this time. I know yeah, man, in your I lifetime, you have yet to ever indulge in it, and I've indulged in it not once, not twice, but thrice, almost a fourth. And hopefully you can see that come to fruition and uh, the Wolverines can get back on top of the college football world. Man, I hope so. But we will see. That That is almost a full month away. But there's um, also part of me, Jacob, that I hope they lose more than anything because I don't want to hear Dave Portnoy talk about it for the next hour. I, I don't want to hear Dave Portnoy <laughs> talk about it. I, we're in the same boat. He's going to be the I don't want you. I don't want to hear you rooting against my Wolverines. <laughs> He's going to be the worst winner, man. Oh, he 100% is, and he's obnoxious, but, you know. It is what it is. We'll come down to that when it gets here. Hopefully. Um, the one last thing I want to shout out. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this. I just happen to remember this. Um, since we're talking about predictions, I do remember making a prediction. I, I don't know if you remember this. We we pick sleeper teams, just teams we're excited to excited to look at. I remember. Right. See how they do. Yes. And uh, you know teams that could really you know, exceed their potential and really go for it. I picked the South Carolina Gamecocks. <laughs> and I I do remember saying, I, I didn't go back and listen to the episode, but I do distinctly remember saying, you know, I felt like this could be a definitely a really solid nine and three kind of team who could be, you know, third in the SEC East. Uh -huh. And uh, they ended up five and seven. Uh, just a very unconvincing five and seven. And ended up tied for fifth in the SEC East. And just every time I would look over at them, they just weren't doing anything good. And I mean, but it, the, those five wins, it was a 17 to 14 win over Kentucky, only a 10 point win over Jacksonville State. They beat Mississippi State by seven. Who did they I beat Furman? But besides that, I mean, maybe their best game was losing to Georgia by 10. That might have been their best game. And I absolutely swung. And missed. I was I was kind of on the the Beamer Ball train mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of the season, and man, did I whiff! Oh, I'm trying to remember who I picked. I picked either. Just taking a look, I either picked North Carolina or Utah. And I don't remember which one, but needless to say, neither one of them finished. Or granted, Utah rings a little bit more of a bell, I think. Cam Rising also didn't play the entire year, which is what I'm pretty sure all of that was based on. Um, yeah. But they still, they I'd say they overperformed without him. So, um, yeah, no, we didn't. I don't know. There was a lot that was college and professional this year. There's been a lot unexpected. There's say. a reason those picks were sleeper teams, and let's just say. The Gamecocks are still sleeping. Um, they they really let me down. Um, 
set yourself up. It was, it was, it was not great. <laughs> um, but anyways, I just but, wanted to throw that out there. I just, I, I remember, I remember that thought as we were getting ready to do our predictions. Um, but with that being said, all in all, I think we did okay. I, I, I think we did okay. Four, two and them, two out of three on the Heisman. You know, we we did our best with what we had, and I, you know, a lot of those things again. A lot of this came down to championship week, right? Georgia could have easily been in there. Yep. Um, Clemson didn't quite get up there. USC obviously had its struggles. Um, but again, you got conferences relatively right. Um, but nonetheless, it's been a fun and exciting season. I think we've seen a lot of crazy things, a lot of out there, uh, obviously with the craziness kind of peaking with the college football playoff final vote. But nonetheless, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I'm already kind of ready to regroup and prepare for next year. And hopefully, that's the thing with college football, right? It, I don't know. You get a different vibe from the NFL because it is a little bit shorter. And you have, obviously, the transfer portal opened. You're already starting to gear up for the potential of your team that, you know, if you didn't make it, i.e. my team, to the college football playoff. And again, next year being an expansion year with 12 teams, maybe both our teams. What if, new, what if new life. next year we have a first round, an LSU-Michigan matchup in the playoff? How wild would that be? LSU traveling up to the big house in Ann Arbor to go play in the snow? No, no, no. I'm pretty sure you guys be coming down to Death Valley. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, it definitely has been a fun year. Um, what we're going to be doing, I almost forgot to plug this, Jacob. You didn't remind me. Um, what do you for, for those? What did I forget? You forgot it. For those that are listening, all again, as I said the other week, 18 million of you. Um, we are going to be doing, obviously, with the season basically being over and the bowl games are so spread out, we're not going to have longer episodes each week. We're still going to try to do an episode every week, but we're going to be doing, if you've never done it before, the ESPN Bowl Challenge, Capital One, Mania, whatever. Um, just standard format. That's basically where you have all the bowl games and you just pick a winner and whoever gets the most points wins. Um, we did create a beers and pickskins group on ESPN um, beers. And then just like it's basically on our logo here, the N with the apostrophe pickskins. Um, it is a public group, so you can go and join if you want to compete against yours truly. And my co-pilot here, Jacob and see who really knows what they're talking about. Um, but kind of going forward up until I think the college football playoff, we'll kind of just each week, maybe build on some news of what's going on and then maybe talk about the games that week a little bit um, in depth to a degree. I just want to point out really quick. I did not forget. I don't know what this notion was that I yeah, forgot about. You said a minute ago, one more thing, meaning you weren't going to also bring up this thing. So yes, I put it all on you to well, blame the South Carolina. One more thing. Uh, I thought you meant one more thing for the whole episode. No, so I got absolutely not. And I will say we're going to do episodes through the bowl season and we're going to keep it going, you know, through, you know, the rest of the year. Um, hopefully if everything works out there, we'll have transfer portal stuff. What Mason just gave me. What? I forgot something very, very important. Because this is the college football episode, I have to bring it up now because oh, it's college-related. Okay. okay. Do you know what today is? December 5th. No. Our teams are playing basketball today. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I did see Off. that. Is that 8 o'clock? You want to drive down real quick? <laughs> no, I do not. Um... But yes, no, our uh, Jacob's Baylor Bears and my my Seton Hall Big East Pirates are battling off a, a Big 12 Big East matchup down in Waco um, in a couple hours here. Well, again, this is being recorded on Tuesday. You probably won't hear this for a couple days. But uh, nonetheless, my team is probably going to get stomped. We're not very good this year. Baylor basketball is usually pretty good. Um, 
So we already yeah, lost they, both. They um, have gotten off to a, a pretty solid start. Um, yeah, I did forget about that, but I, I saw that a while ago that they that they were going to play. I'm going to be watching and talking a lot of trash if it's going any what direction my way. Um, okay. But nonetheless, I like what you said. We're going to be doing episodes all the way through the bowl season. And who knows, by the time we get through bowl season, we'll be doing transfer portal stuff. And maybe we'll do something a little different. Maybe we'll even throw a little March Madness at you. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a little crazy with it. We're just going to keep it rolling. We're going to keep the episodes coming. You're round, baby. We're coming at you. Exactly. It's full time. Transfer portal, coaching changes, draft, uh, draft prospects in april i don't know if that'll be a part Pro of days or if that'll be a part oh. of nfl well it, uh, i'll say maybe that we'll, maybe we'll merge into into one, one podcast for yeah. the off season yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah we're on the same wavelength there but um yeah i think that does it for this episode uh like mason said please do join the uh the bowl picking bowl mania league um we'd love to see you on there but as for this episode, that wraps it up. We do appreciate y'all listening. Please do hit all the buttons like we always say. And we will see you guys later. See you.